I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. In the studio with me is the Executive Director of the Biggs Museum of American Art, Charlie Guerin. Welcome, Charlie. Hi, Paul. How are you? Nice great, to be here. Great. It's great to have you here. You're relatively new to the Biggs Museum. When, when did you arrive? I arrived the 1st of May, so it's just about first eight months. May. Okay, about eight months. Uh, for our listeners, because this is your first time, I believe, on the show, right? Yes, yes. Uh, could you uh, give us a little bit of background about you, uh, you know, what, what you came from and what brings you here? Well, I'm, I'm an artist by training. Uh, I'm a painter and a printmaker and uh, did my work at uh, University of Illinois and Northern Illinois University. And that sort of led circuitously into the museum field. I first uh, worked in this field as an exhibition designer. And uh, that was in Colorado Springs a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And that led to a job as a curator, and that led to a job as a director. And I've been uh, the director of several museums, um, most of which have been in large university art museums. And then most recently before this, I was at the Hyde Collection in upstate New York. So it's been uh, a kind of circuitous adventure from the west uh, out uh, back out to the east. And it's been great to be here. Now, with such a varied career in arts administration, have you been able to keep up with the art side? I of actually your life? have. I actually have. Um, I maintain a uh, uh, a painting and printmaking studio. Uh, I've been making prints for thirty years and uh, and doing paintings for as long, and have had an active uh, exhibition schedule over the years and uh, an active. Uh, um, presence in the market. So I've had a number of galleries, uh, mostly in the West, because I lived in the West most mm -hmm. of my career. Given that you lived in the West most of your career, what attracted you to Delaware in general and the Biggs Museum in particular? Well, it was kind of interesting. I, um, I have, um, as I said, I've been in, in the West. Most recently, I was in Tucson, where I was there for 12 years at the University of Arizona Museum of Art. And at that period of time, my son was going to school, and um, he was accepted at Johns Hopkins University six years ago. And at that point, we bought a house in Baltimore, and we started spending our summers in Baltimore to get away from the blistering heat of Tucson in the summer. And we kind of re-fell in love with the East Coast. And so three years ago, my wife and I decided that, you know, maybe it was time to leave the desert before it completely dried out. <laughs> and, um, and so we started looking east, and we found this wonderful museum in upstate New York called the Hyde Collection, which is a, a, a wonderful museum, uh, very much like the Biggs in that it uh, was founded by a family um, Mr. and Mrs. Hyde, who collected European painting, uh, Rembrandt, Vermeer, you know, the, the, the usual suspects of uh, 18th, 19th, and 20th century uh, art. And uh, we loved it there. It was terrific. We were right at the base of the Adirondacks, and it was beautiful and, and uh, wintry. And, uh, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, the, uh, the bigs called me through a headhunter that they were using and wanted to know if I knew anybody that would be interested in the position at the bigs. And at the time, I, I said, you know, I really don't know anyone that, that uh, would be interested in that particular job. And uh, about two weeks later, they called me back and said, well, would you be interested in the job? And I said, no, I wouldn't be interested because I'd only been in, in New York for two years. And I'm used to being in places for a long time. Right. Uh, the, the shortest I've ever been at any one position was 10 years. Hmm. So I felt that I you know, had a lot yet to do at, at uh, the Hyde Collection. 
But finally, the, they insisted, and, and I thought, well, I should just go down and be courteous and go look at, at the bigs. And I did that. And mm-hmm. I found it to be a remarkable museum mm-hmm. at a wonderful point in its history, uh, a time where it, it was really ready to launch to a new level. And for the most part, most of my career in the museum world has been to do that, to, to take institutions to a new level and... Um, and so I saw that as the potential at the bigs. And, and so they basically offered me a job that I couldn't refuse. Hmm. And I was delighted to accept the position and to, to move down here. So here we are in Delaware. And I love Delaware. I think Delaware is absolutely charming and, uh, and a wonderful place. So does that mean we can count on you being at the bigs for the next uh, nine I, years I, and four I months? I think so. I, I'm not uh, moving is you know moving is a pain in the neck, yeah. and uh, so I'm not anxious to do that again anytime soon. And and I've really fallen in love with Dover. I live in Dover. Uh, I love it. I live out on the west uh, in the west side of Dover in the country in the Amish country, and it's very charming and picturesque. And and uh, we have wonderful neighbors, and it's a delightful to actually live in Dover and to be close to the museum. Now, having been in several different uh, venues, uh, what similarities do you see between the Bigs and some of the other places you've worked, and what what differences do you see? Well, I think the similarities are in in that it has a really excellent collection. Every museum where I've ever worked uh, has really had very fine collections, and and that's the basis for for any of those um, activities. I mean, what is the point of a museum if you don't have something to museum with mm-hmm. and to to make available to the public? And so, um, Sewell Biggs, I think, was a remarkable collector. He had uh, he had a great eye. He was very persistent. He had a, a mission in his own mind of collecting the the arts and fine crafts of the Delaware Valley and the peninsula. And he had the resources to do it well. And so he had a good eye and he could afford to buy good things. And so he did that. So the foundation of the, the Biggs Museum is really quite an extraordinary collection. It's equally on par with any other museum in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Now, as as a uh, a collection, uh, much of it is, is Sewell Biggs' collection, as you yes. mentioned. Does the Biggs continue to collect? We we do. Uh, in fact, in the twenty five or almost twenty five year history of the Biggs, the Biggs has more than doubled the collection from Sewell Biggs' original holdings. Um, he was a very smart guy when when he created the museum. He uh, left an endowment for not only for the operation of the museum, um, a partial endowment, but also a collections endowment, so that the directors and curators of the museum over the years would have the funds necessary to continue to collect. And so the museum, through its various professional staff over the year, have done an exceptional job of adding to that collection. And uh, it has continued to grow and to be a really very fine collection. Could you speak to the range? Because I know Sewell Biggs was, um, I understand he was largely focused on uh, the decorative arts, uh, but I know your collection is much broader. Yes, it uh, is. Than that. It is. He he loved American furniture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, in many ways, the furniture collection is is one of was one of his true passionate. Mm-hmm. 
uh, interests. But he also collected Delaware silver, and uh, we have, I think, a very unique collection of the silversmiths from the 18th and 19th century in Delaware. But Sewell also collected painting, American painting. He, uh, he knew what he was looking for. He had good advice from other museum curators around the, the, the Mid-Atlantic. So he bought many of the great uh, artists of the 17th, uh, 18th and 19th century. Uh, we have, we have um, American Impressionism. We have uh, Hudson River School. And, and we have the great examples, Thomas Cole and others of that, of that period. And so he, uh, he had the resources and the eye to select very good paintings. And so the painting collection is, is uh, exceptional, I think. What he didn't collect, oddly, is he didn't collect works on paper. And so, um, so the museum does not have great holdings in American drawing or American. Uh, we have some American watercolors, but mm-hmm. mostly oil on canvas. Mm. Interesting. Now, I know uh, not too long ago, it was before you were here, or maybe it was wrapping up when you when you came. There's a wonderful installation that is both outdoors and indoors at the front entrance. Could you speak to that? It we, really is. It's it's just an intriguing piece that just sort of draws your eye right into the museum well there was a there was an effort um, about three years ago to um, to add the first floor of the building to the bigs uh, until that time the the bigs was housed in the second two floors of the current building and the first floor was housed the information center for the state um, they moved to a new facility we took over the first floor we had a capital campaign and renovated the first floor of the building so that the entire building uh, is is the Biggs Museum. And to sort of commemorate the success of that, we commissioned a wonderful piece of sculpture. It's called a loft. It is a it's a beautiful piece that um, that is a tree that shows uh, sort of the classic blackbird uh, flocks that we have here in the in the summer and the fall um, that are rising off of the. Um, of the tree, and they fly literally towards the building and then through the glass into the building and up through the three-story atrium. So it's a wonderful uh, piece of contemporary sculpture. Mm-hmm. Now, the Biggs Museum is part of uh, the First State Heritage Park, is mm-hmm. that correct? Which I believe they describe themselves as a park without borders. Can you talk about the Biggs' role in that that? There, it, well, that's kind of interesting because there's actually three entities. There's the First State Heritage Park. There's the First State National Park, mm-hmm. the first national park and the only national park in Delaware, and then the Biggs Museum. And so it's really an, an affiliation of three separate entities, and um, they are our collaborators. Uh, the national park is relatively new. We commemorated it last year uh, in um, in May, and uh, we yet. I think to to really know what that will ultimately be. At this point in time, there are national park markers on the green. The green is part of that national park. The um, uh, the old state house is part of that, and and we are on the edge of that. So we actually serve as a contact point for many of the day-to-day visitors who come to the park and who are interested in, in uh, knowing what's in the area. And so we direct them, obviously, to our own facility, but also to the State House and to, other, to the other entities within the Heritage Park, which is a state 
state-operated park entity, and our partners are there. So it's it's the three of us are sort of working together to to really decide what the park can be, both in the short term and the long term. And I think part of that is is waiting to see how the National Park Service will evolve in its support of that effort and and what kinds of uh, uh, direction it takes. It has new staff, obviously, because it's a new a new uh, national park, and so uh, we're working with them to to kind of hone what the park will be because it is a statewide park. It mm-hmm. has has mm-hmm. aspects in Dover, it has aspects in uh, Newcastle, and all over the state. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's different than some national parks, which are just in one place. Yellowstone right. is Yellowstone, yeah. and you go there. <laughs> well, we're all over the state. Mm-hmm. Many different many different sites around mm-hmm. the state. And so uh, it, it, the nature of that is evolving. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to get into uh, some of the Biggs Museum's programming, but first remind our listeners that you are tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Charlie Guerin, the Executive Director of the Biggs Museum of American Art in Dover. Um, uh, Charlie, uh, let's talk a little bit about your programming. Uh, as a museum with a collection, how do you, um, what, what consider, what, what factors go into bringing that collection to life to the visitors who come right. in? Well, we do lots of different things. Um, the The permanent collection is one that is relatively static in that. Um, because there's a lot of furniture in that collection. We don't move things around uh, whimsically. But we do try to incorporate that collection with other aspects of, of what we do. Um, we work with your division and your selection of, of uh, master artists in the state, and we, we do that exhibition of those artists. We try to integrate their work into the historic part of the collection itself. So we may have a... Uh, um, an 18th century sideboard next to a piece of contemporary furniture. And we try to, to find similarities between what the artists today are thinking about in relationship to what artists of, of previous times were doing. So we, we do that in terms of trying to, to um, reinterpret the permanent collection. Um, we also show lots of, of changing exhibitions in the museum. The, the first floor of the museum is, is basically changing exhibition space. And then we have three galleries on the third floor that we use primarily as exhibition space for changing exhibitions. And, um, and so we're trying to do a variety of things. Um, right now we're doing something very unusual. We're showing an exhibition called Illuminating the Word, the St. John's Bible. Now, the St. John's Bible uh, is the first um, handwritten Bible, like an illuminated manuscript of the 14th and 15th century. It's the first one that's been done since the invention of printing. And so this was commissioned um, by St. John's University in Minnesota to be a commemoration of the um, millennium, the change of the millennium. And it took 15 years and 26 artists and a lot of time and a lot of money to actually rewrite the St. James Bible by hand on large sheets of, of vellum, which will ultimately be bound. But right now it is not bound. And so we have uh, 71 pages of the St. John's Bible in the galleries today. Uh, and it includes the writing and the wonderful illustrations. There are 1,300 pages in the Bible, and there are 60 illustrations uh, in the Bible. And it's a terrific work of contemporary art. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where was where was that done? Uh, you mentioned uh, was it Minnesota. It was it was actually uh, presented to uh, St. John's Abbey as a project by um, a gentleman who was the scribe for the Queen of England, and he proposed um, this project with the notion that somebody should do something really special to commemorate the, the uh, millennium, and that he felt that since he had been thinking about this for many years, that maybe St. John's University would, would jump at this opportunity. Well, it took him three years to jump, uh, but they did, and, uh, and so it was, it was his brainchild. And so he collected uh, a group of 23 artists to, to, um, to actually do the illustrations and, and to, to write, write the script for the Bible. So is this a combination of both visual artists as well as calligraphers? It was actually of three groups, visual artists okay. who did the illustrations, right. calligraphers who did the writing, and then a group of monks at James John's Abbey who uh, were sort of the theological consultants on it. So it, everything was done by committee. The The artists would sit down with the theologians and they would decide, okay, what, what chapter or what uh, passage in the Bible Shall we illustrate? Shall mm -hmm. we illustrate the creation or shall we illustrate the apocalypse? And they would decide and then they would talk about how they would illustrate that in a very contemporary way. Uh, for example, we know that that Adam and Eve were, were not Anglo-Saxon mm -hmm. um, um, uh, people, that they were Africans. And mm -hmm. so in this in this particular um Bible, the depiction of Adam and Eve is as African African people, mm -hmm. um, because we know that that's where humanity began mm -hmm. in that continent. Mm -hmm. And so, it, it there are many references to what we know today in the 21st century that they didn't really know or understand in the fifth or sixth or seventh century. Mm -hmm. And so, it's very much a contemporary um, a contemporary Bible. When when Donald Jackson perceived of this project, he perceived that it should be a very, very contemporary 21st century um, uh, version of the Bible. Now, were theologians involved in determining which translation to use? Is, um, is it a yes, more modern or yes, do they use the traditional the, King James It's version? the King James version, okay. but it is, the, it is the version that is most often used by the widest range of Christian faiths. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has many references in the, in the Bible and uh, to, to the Jewish community, mm -hmm. to the Muslim community. It's a very inclusive um, Bible. Interesting. Now, how long will that be on exhibit? That's up until the 27th of March. So you'll have a wonderful opportunity to see it. Um, I think it's of great interest to people of faith, but it is also of great interest to artists because mm -hmm. it, is a, it is a monumental work of contemporary art. Mm -hmm. the, the level of detail in the drawings are truly phenomenal. Um, I'm an artist. I look at art every day, and I look at some of these illustrations, and I cannot fathom how they were actually done. Yeah. Uh, they're they're so luminous and so in depth. They're actually written on vellum, which is which is calfskin, and so they have this sort of wonderful luminescence about them that is unique and very different than the way watercolor and gouache and gold leaf look on paper. Looks very different on on vellum. It's a very exciting piece of work. It's, it's it sounds like an ex, a really exciting exhibit and a great example of how you you present both your your uh, permanent collection as well as visiting pieces of exactly artwork. we yeah. do that because you know every museums need to change we want people to come and then to come again and to right. come again and mm -hmm. so by doing changing exhibitions 
um, we get people to come often and also to to experience the permanent collection in different settings and so forth. So it's it's a really a, a way to to engage people on an ongoing level. Mm-hmm. We only have a couple minutes left, but I would like you to touch on the educational programming that you do because I know the Bigs is a very important resource. Uh, for our, our young people today. Well, interestingly, we have just hired a new educator on the staff. Her name is Regina Lynch, and Regina is uh, from Wilmington originally, and she comes to us from California most recently. Um, Regina's job will be to help to formalize our education program. We have had longstanding uh, programs for children, but uh, we've never had a permanent full-time uh, or close to full-time educator on staff, and so. We have done that, and, and her job is to develop a, uh, a, a really vital docent program so that we can tour children on a daily basis in a, in a much larger way than we have, and, and hopefully to develop some really innovative programs that, that um, we perceive will serve our community in very different ways. Museums are changing, and uh, the way we change is to really look at our community and say, okay, what can we do as an art museum to make our community stronger, to support the educational efforts by our colleges and our schools in the community to to make it better. So in the 30 seconds or so that we have left, what would you say are the Biggs Museum's greatest assets to serve uh, the community, both of Dover and Delaware as a whole? I, I think the greatest assets are the people that are involved in it. The staff are extraordinary. It's a small staff, but they're extremely bright and capable. And we have a very wonderful board that, that um, is truly dedicated and, and works to make that institution work. We have a wonderful gala every year that they help to produce uh, that helps raise money for us. Like every museum, we're out there doing that every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a terrific group of people that, that have pulled themselves together to make this a wonderful uh, museum. And to learn more about the museum, it, your website is? It's thebigs.com. So just go. Bigs.com. Charlie, thanks so much for joining us today. Charlie Guerin from the Biggs Museum of American Art. It's really been great to hear from you about your background, your contribution to the Biggs, and what the Biggs is doing to serve Delaware. Thank you.